Chapter 18 of Kwaidan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in April 2010. Kwaidan Stories and Studies of Strange Things by Lefkadio Hearn. Chapter 18 Insect Studies butterflies one would that i could hope for the luck of that chinese scholar known to japanese literature as rosan for he was beloved by two spirit maidens celestial sisters who every ten days came to visit him and to tell him stories about butterflies now there are marvellous chinese stories about butterflies ghostly stories and i want to know them but never shall i be able to read chinese nor even japanese and the little japanese poetry that i manage with exceeding difficulty to translate contains so many allusions to chinese stories of butterflies that i am tormented with the torment of tantalus and of course no spirit maidens will even deign to visit so sceptical a person as myself I want to know, for example, the whole story of the Chinese maiden whom the butterflies took to be a flower and followed in multitude, so fragrant and so fair was she. Also I should like to know something more concerning the butterflies of the Emperor Jenso or Ming Huang, who made them choose his loves for him. He used to hold wine parties in his amazing garden, and ladies of exceeding beauty were in attendance and caged butterflies set free among them would fly to the fairest and then upon that fairest the imperial favour was bestowed but after Kote had seen yukihi whom the chinese call yang Kwei fei he would not suffer the butterflies to choose for him which was unlucky as yukihi got him into serious trouble Again, I should like to know more about the experience of that Chinese scholar, celebrated in Japan under the name Zoshu, who dreamed that he was a butterfly and had all the sensations of a butterfly in that dream, for his spirit had really been wandering about in the shape of a butterfly, and, when he awoke, the memories and the feelings of butterfly existence remained so vivid in his mind that he could not act like a human being finally i should like to know the text of a certain chinese official recognition of sundry butterflies as the spirits of an emperor and of his attendants most of the japanese literature about butterflies excepting some poetry appears to be of chinese origin and even that old national aesthetic feeling on the subject which found such delightful expression in japanese art and song and custom may have been first developed under chinese teaching chinese precedent doubtless explains why japanese poets and painters chose so often for their gaimyo or professional appellations such names as chomu butterfly dream icho solitary butterfly etc and even to this day such gaimyo as chohana butterfly blossom chokichi butterfly luck or chonosuke butterfly help are affected by dancing girls besides artistic names having reference to butterflies there are still in use real personal names yobina of this kind such as kocho or cho 
meaning butterfly. They are born by women only, as a rule, though there are some strange exceptions. And here I may mention that in the province of Mutsu there still exists the curious old custom of calling the youngest daughter in a family Tekona, which quaint word, obsolete elsewhere, signifies in Mutsu dialect a butterfly. In classic time this word signified also a beautiful woman. It is possible also that some weird Japanese beliefs about butterflies are of Chinese derivation, but these beliefs might be older than China herself. The most interesting one, I think, is that the soul of a living person may wander about in the form of a butterfly. Some pretty fancies have been evolved out of this belief, such as the notion that if a butterfly enters your guest room and perches behind the bamboo screen, the person whom you most love is coming to see you. That a butterfly may be the spirit of somebody is not a reason for being afraid of it. Nevertheless, there are times when even butterflies can inspire fear by appearing in prodigious numbers, and Japanese history records such an event. When Taira no Masakado was secretly preparing for his famous revolt, there appeared in Kyoto so vast a swarm of butterflies that the people were frightened, thinking the apparition to be a portent of coming evil. Perhaps those butterflies were supposed to be the spirits of the thousands doomed to perish in battle and agitated on the eve of war by some mysterious premonition of death. However, in Japanese belief, a butterfly may be the soul of a dead person as well as of a living person. Indeed, it is a custom of souls to take butterfly shape in order to announce the fact of their final departure from the body, and for this reason any butterfly which enters a house ought to be kindly treated. To disbelief and to queer fancies connected with it, there are many allusions in popular drama. For example, there is a well-known play called Tonde Deru Kocho no Kansashi, or The Flying Hairpin of Kocho. Kocho is a beautiful person who kills herself because of false accusations and cruel treatment. Her would-be avenger long seeks in vain for the author of the wrong. But at last, the dead woman's hairpin turns into a butterfly and serves as a guide to vengeance by hovering above the place where the villain is hiding. Of course, those big paper butterflies, Ocho and Mecho, which figure at weddings must not be thought of as having any ghostly signification. As emblems, they only express the joy of living union and the hope that the newly married couple may pass through life together as a pair of butterflies flit lightly through some pleasant garden, now hovering upward, now downward, but never widely separating. 2. A small selection of hoku on butterflies will help to illustrate Japanese interest in the aesthetic side of the subject. Some are pictures only, tiny color sketches made with seventeen syllables. Some are nothing more than pretty fancies or graceful suggestions, but the reader will find variety. Probably he will not care much for the verses in themselves. The taste for Japanese poetry of the epigrammatic sort is a taste that must be slowly acquired, and it is only by degrees, after patient study, that the possibilities of such composition can be fairly estimated. Hasty criticism has declared that to put forward any serious claim on behalf of seventeen-syllable poems would be absurd. 
but what then of crashaw's famous line upon the miracle at the marriage feast in cana nympha pudica deum vidit et erubuit only fourteen syllables and immortality now with seventeen japanese syllables things quite as wonderful indeed much more wonderful have been done not once or twice but probably a thousand times however there is nothing wonderful in the following hoku which have been selected for more than literary reasons nugi kakuru haori sugata no kochokana like a haori being taken off that is the shape of a butterfly torisashi no sao no jamasuru kochokana ah the butterfly keeps getting in the way of the bird catcher's pole tsurigane ni tomarite nemuru kochokana perched upon the temple bell the butterfly sleeps neru uchi mo asubu yume wo ya kusa no cho even while sleeping its dream is of play ah the butterfly of the grass oki oki yo wakatomo ni sen neru kocho wake up wake up i will make thee my comrade thou sleeping butterfly kagonotori chobo urayamu metsukikana ah the sad expression in the eyes of that caged bird envying the butterfly chotonde katsenaki hitomo mietsariki even though it did not appear to be a windy day the fluttering of the butterflies rakwa irani keru no mireba kochokana when i saw the fallen flower return to the branch lo it was only a butterfly chiruhana ni karusa arasou kochokana how the butterfly strives to compete in lightness with the falling flowers kochoya ona no michino atoyasaki see that butterfly on the woman's path now fluttering behind her now before kochoya hananutsubito wo tsukete yuku ha the butterfly it is following the person who stole the flowers akino cho tomonakerebaya hitonitsuku poor autumn butterfly when left without a comrade of its own race it follows after man or a person overete mo isoganu furi no kochokana ah the butterfly even when chased it never has the air of being in a hurry chovamina jiushichihachino sugatakana as for butterflies they all have the appearance of being about seventeen or eighteen years old chotobuya kono yo no urami nakiyoni how the butterfly sports just as if there were no enmity or envy in this world chotobuya kono yo ni nozomi naiyoni ah the butterfly it sports about as if it had nothing more to desire in this present state of existence nami no hanani tomari kanetaru kochokana 
having found it difficult indeed to perch upon the foam blossoms of the waves alas for the butterfly mutsumashi ya umare kawareba nomeno cho if in our next existence we be born into the state of butterflies upon the moor then perchance we may be happy together nareshiko ni kochoshiroshi tarenokon on the pink flower there is a white butterfly whose spirit i wonder ichinichi no tsuma no miekeri chofutatsu the one-day wife has at last appeared a pair of butterflies kitebamau futari shitsukano kochokana approaching they dance but when the two meet at last they are very quiet the butterflies chobou kokoro mochitashi itsumademo would that i might always have the heart desire of chasing butterflies besides these specimens of poetry about butterflies i have one queer example to offer of japanese prose literature on the same topic the original of which i have attempted only a free translation can be found in the curious old book mushi isame insect admonitions and it assumes the form of a discourse to a butterfly but it is really a didactic allegory suggesting the moral significance of a social rise and fall now under the sun of spring the winds are gentle and flowers pinkly bloom and grasses are soft and the hearts of people are glad butterflies everywhere flutter joyously so many persons now compose chinese verses and japanese verses about butterflies and this season o butterfly is indeed the season of your bright prosperity so comely you now are that in the whole world there is nothing more comely for that reason all other insects admire and envy you there is not among them even one that does not envy you nor do insects alone regard you with envy men also both envy and admire you soshu of china in a dream assumed your shape sakoku of japan after dying took your form and therein made ghostly apparition nor is the envy that you inspire shared only by insects and mankind even things without soul change their form into yours witness the barley grass which turns into a butterfly and therefore you are lifted up with pride and think to yourself in all this world there is nothing superior to me ah i can very well guess what is in your heart you are too much satisfied with your own person that is why you let yourself be blown thus lightly about by every wind that is why you never remain still always always thinking in the whole world there is no one so fortunate as i but now try to think a little about your own personal history it is worth recalling for there is a vulgar side to it how a vulgar side well for a considerable time after you were born you had no such reason for rejoicing in your form you were then a mere cabbage insect a hairy worm and you were so poor that you could not afford even one robe to cover your nakedness and your appearance was altogether disgusting 
Everybody in those days hated the sight of you. Indeed, you had good reason to be ashamed of yourself, and so ashamed you were that you collected old twigs and rubbish to hide in, and you made a hiding nest and hung it to a branch, and then everybody cried out to you, Raincoat insect! Minomushi. And during that period of your life your sins were grievous. Among the tender green leaves of beautiful cherry trees, you and your fellows assembled, and there made ugliness extraordinary, and the expectant eyes of the people, who came from far away to admire the beauty of those cherry trees, were hurt by the sight of you. And of things even more hateful than this you were guilty. You knew that poor, poor men and women had been cultivating daikon in their fields, toiling under the hot sun till their hearts were filled with bitterness by reason of having to care for that daikon, and you persuaded your companions to go with you, and to gather upon the leaves of that daikon, and on the leaves of other vegetables planted by those poor people. Out of your greediness you ravaged those leaves and gnawed them into all shapes of ugliness, caring nothing for the trouble of those poor folk. Yes, such a creature you were and such were your doings. And now that you have a comely form, you despise your old comrades, the insects, and whenever you happen to meet any of them, you pretend not to know them. Literally, you make an I-don't-know face. Now you want none but wealthy and exalted people for friends. Ha! Huh, you have forgotten the old times, have you? It is true that many people have forgotten your past, and are charmed by the sight of your present graceful shape and white wings, and write Chinese verses and Japanese verses about you. The high-born damsel, who could not bear even to look at you in your former shape, now gazes at you with delight, and wants you to perch upon her hairpin, and holds out her dainty fan in the hope that you will light upon it. But this reminds me that there is an ancient Chinese story about you, which is not pretty. In the time of the Emperor Genzo, the imperial palace contained hundreds of beautiful ladies, so many, indeed, that it would have been difficult for any man to decide which among them was the loveliest. So all of those beautiful persons were assembled together in one place, and you were set free to fly among them and it was decreed that the damsel upon whose hairpin you perched should be augustly summoned to the imperial chamber. In that time there could not be more than one empress, which was a good law, but because of you the emperor Genso did great mischief in the land. For your mind is light and frivolous, and although among so many beautiful women there must have been some persons of pure heart, you would look for nothing but beauty, and so betook yourself to the person most beautiful in outward appearance. Therefore many of the female attendants ceased altogether to think about the right way of women, and began to study how to make themselves appear splendid in the eyes of men. And the end of it was that the Emperor Genso died a pitiful and painful death, all because of your light and trifling mind. Indeed, your real character can easily be seen from your conduct in other matters. There are trees, for example, such as the evergreen oak and the pine, whose leaves do not fade and fall, but remain always green. These are the trees of firm heart, trees of solid character. But you say they are stiff and formal, and you hate the sight of them, and never pay them a visit.' 
only to the cherry tree and the kaido and the peony and the yellow rose you go those you like because they have showy flowers and you try only to please them such conduct let me assure you is very unbecoming those trees certainly have handsome flowers but hunger satisfying fruits they have not and they are grateful to those only who are fond of luxury and show and that is just the reason why they are pleased by your fluttering wings and delicate shape that is why they are kind to you now in this spring season while you sportively dance through the gardens of the wealthy or hover among the beautiful alleys of cherry trees in blossom you say to yourself nobody in the world has such pleasure as i or such excellent friends and in spite of all that people may say i most love the peony and the golden yellow rose is my own darling and i will obey her every least behest for that is my pride and my delight so you say but the opulent and elegant season of flowers is very short soon they will fade and fall then in the time of summer heat there will be green leaves only and presently the winds of autumn will blow when even the leaves themselves will shower down like rain parari parari and your fate will then be as the fate of the unlucky in the proverb tanomi ki no shitani ame furu even through the tree upon which i relied for shelter the rain leaks down for you will seek out your old friend the root-cutting insect the grub and beg him to let you return into your old-time hole but now having wings you will not be able to enter the hole because of them and you will not be able to shelter your body anywhere between heaven and earth and all the moor-grass will then have withered and you will not have even one drop of dew with which to moisten your tongue and there will be nothing left for you to do but to lie down and die all because of your light and frivolous heart but ah how lamentable an end three most of the japanese stories about butterflies appear as i have said to be of chinese origin but i have one which is probably indigenous and it seems to me worth telling for the benefit of persons who believe there is no romantic love in the far east behind the cemetery of the temple of sosanji in the suburbs of the capital there long stood a solitary cottage occupied by an old man named takahama he was liked in the neighborhood by reason of his amiable ways but almost everybody supposed him to be a little mad unless a man take the buddhist vows he is expected to marry and to bring up a family but takahama did not belong to the religious life and he could not be persuaded to marry neither had he ever been known to enter into a love relation with any woman for more than fifty years he had lived entirely alone one summer he felt sick and knew that he had not long to live he then sent for his sister-in-law a widow and for her only son a lad of about twenty years old to whom he was much attached both promptly came and did whatever they could to soothe the old man's last hours one sultry afternoon while the widow and her son were watching at his bedside takahama fell asleep at the same moment a very large white butterfly entered the room and perched upon the sick man's pillow the nephew drove it away with a fan 
but it returned immediately to the pillow and was again driven away, only to come back a third time. Then the nephew chased it into the garden, and across the garden, through an open gate, into the cemetery of the neighboring temple. But it continued to flutter before him, as if unwilling to be driven further, and acted so queerly that he began to wonder whether it was really a butterfly or a ma. He again chased it, and followed it far into the cemetery, until he saw it fly against a tomb, a woman's tomb. There it unaccountably disappeared, and he searched for it in vain. He then examined the monument. It bore the personal name Akiko, together with an unfamiliar family name, and an inscription stating that Akiko had died at the age of eighteen. Apparently the tomb had been erected about fifty years previously. Moss had begun to gather upon it. But it had been well cared for, there were fresh flowers before it, and the water tank had recently been filled. On returning to the sick room, the young man was shocked by the announcement that his uncle had ceased to breathe. Death had come to the sleeper painlessly, and the dead face smiled. The young man told his mother of what he had seen in the cemetery. Ah! exclaimed the widow. Then it must have been Akiko. But who was Akiko, mother? the nephew asked. The widow answered, When your good uncle was young, he was betrothed to a charming girl called Akiko, the daughter of a neighbor. Akiko died of consumption only a little before the day appointed for the wedding, and her promised husband sorrowed greatly. After Akiko had been buried, he made a vow never to marry, and he built this little house beside the cemetery, so that he might be always near her grave. All this happened more than fifty years ago, and every day of those fifty years, winter and summer alike, your uncle went to the cemetery and prayed at the grave, and swept the tomb, and set offerings before it. But he did not like to have any mention made of the matter, and he never spoke of it. So at last Akiko came for him. The white butterfly was her soul. 4. I had almost forgotten to mention an ancient Japanese dance called the butterfly dance, Kochomai, which used to be performed in the imperial palace by dancers costumed as butterflies. Whether it is danced occasionally nowadays, I do not know. It is said to be very difficult to learn. Six dancers are required for the proper performance of it, and they must move in particular figures, obeying traditional rules for every step, pose, or gesture, and circling about each other very slowly to the sound of hand drums and great drums, small flutes and great flutes, and pandean pipes of a form unknown to Western Pan. End of chapter 18